Hey, good morning. Y'all are still in the dark. Y'all are still in the dark. There you are. What's up? Everybody doing good this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all brave the weather? Y'all still have yards and everything at home? Listen, you know how hard it is to have a three-year-old and it's raining because my son just wants to go out and he loves playing in water. And it's like every time he walks towards the door, I'm like, this is going to mess something up. This is going to mess something up. This is messing up clothes. This is messing up shoes. This is going to mess up something in the house. So I'm ready for the rain to be over, but we needed the rain. Amen. Amen. I thought my grass was going to die. But listen, as I was preparing for this message, I realized that today is Pentecost Sunday. Man, isn't it cool that we can have our second service on Pentecost Sunday? We're coming in here celebrating the presence of God and worshiping God, and we're going we're gonna to learn from His Word, but we're doing that because mm, the Spirit fell and the church was born. The church was born. We're the church, guys. We're a continuation of that church. We're a continuation of that boldness. We're a continuation of that power. So I think it's really cool that we get to do this on, on Pentecost Sunday. I can't wait to see what God is going to do because, listen, I could just tell you that God has done so much through the church, but listen, we're in a new season of ministry for our church, and I believe that God's got so much in store for us, and I believe that God's got so much he wants to do in this community because here's what I believe. I believe that we're not just a church. I believe we're a move of God. You've heard that before from up here. You've heard that from us before, but I believe that, that this church, I believe that the, the church as a whole is a move of God. I believe we got to stop just being a, a church and start being the move of God, amen? I believe that we can be the move of God in this community. I believe we're going to make, I'm going to knock this thing over before it happens. Y'all see it, don't you? I'm going to slide this back. That would be bad. I knock this over. I fall down. At my age, you don't get back up as easy. You know what I mean? I turn, I turn 36 in two days. What do you mean, geez? Who said geez? Who said geez? Security. Where's security? Yes. Where's security? Somebody said geez. All right, everybody shun those guys. Um, but I turn 36 in two days, and so when I fall, it just, I just tell Judah when he knocks me over, he hurts me at home, I'm like, Daddy's praying. Daddy's going to lay here and pray. For the family for a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to get right in the Word today, but before I do, I want to tell you we're in week four of our shift series, and I want to talk to you today about detours. The, the title of my message is called Take the Detour. If you're taking notes today, it's called Take the Detour, and what I believe is that God will meet you today at your level of expectancy right? Listen, I'm prepared. I'm going to preach the word. I've got a word for you. I'm excited about it. But can I just tell you that if you didn't come in this place expecting God to speak to you, can I just tell you you're not going to get as much out of it? It doesn't matter how funny I am. I'm funny, man. <laughs> Somebody else said, geez. <laughs> I'm prepared. I'm ready. I'm fired up. I'm excited. But you have to be expectant. You have to be ready for the word this morning. Amen? I want you to start to stir yourself up. I want you to start to shake off this week. I want you to, to lean in this morning because I believe that there are people here today. I believe this in my spirit. I felt it. I, I, man, I just believe it so strongly. I believe that there are people here today that need to hear this. And I believe 
And I'm declaring over us that we're going to leave this place changed. We're going to leave this place different than how we came in. Father God, I pray that you transform us. I pray that your spirit sets people free in this place. I pray that we come in and we leave different than, than how we came because of your presence. Even though we may have been in here and been Christians for a long time, God, let us still be transformed because that is the power of your living word. In your holy name we pray, amen. If you would, turn with me to Exodus chapter 14 in your Bibles. I'm going to give you a minute to get there. You can follow along with us on version, or it's going to be up on the screen if you don't want to turn there, or I don't give you enough time. <laughs> Exodus chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 21. Everybody getting there? Dead quiet. Nailed it. The one, the one person's, yeah, I'm there. All right. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and it turned into dry land. Listen to that. It turned into dry land. Now the seabed turned into dry land. I need you to remember that. This is going to be important. I need you to, I need you to keep that in, in, in your mind. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. There it is again, dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. I want us to skip down to verse 27 real quick. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it. But the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen and the entire army of Pharaoh that followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Not one of them survived. Now, speaking of survival, I want to tell you a, a, a story. Um, listen to me. Keep eye contact with me. Okay? Keep eye contact with me. And we're going to have fun because I, I'm telling you, after I finish the story, I'm never going to get to preach again, okay? So, so we, let's, let's have fun today. Let's make this one a good one. I have dreamed about the day that I'm able to just fight with my son. <laughs> not, not like call the old man out on the porch. I'm going to knock this thing off. Can I just get down here for a minute? Not, the, not like when I can call the old man out on the porch, you know, not that kind of fight, but like when I can wrestle with him, when I can, when I can punch, when I can throw him, when I can body slam him, because here's the deal, that's, listen, uh, some of y'all are judging me, I feel really judged, this is supposed to be a safe place, um, no judgments. I'm not trying to, like, give a pity party or anything, but that's some of the only really good memories I have of my father, is us play fighting and, and doing that. So I love doing that with my son. But here is the deal. I'm going to get up on stage for this one. Listen, eye contact. Judah is about this tall, okay? That means when he throws punches, let's call it a strike zone. You want to call it a strike zone? Is that less awkward if we call it a strike zone this morning? I'm sorry, Pastor Josh. If you're, if you're listening to this through podcast, you're missing out on so much. Um, strike zone, that's a good word, strike zone. So one day, I'm standing in the bedroom. I've got Rachel there, she's holding Lila. And Judah walks up to me. He comes up from behind. He swings around and he hits me in the strike zone. In the strike zone. Now, 
I want you to be proud of me, because if you're a man in this place, you know that immediately you want to kill everything in the room. <laughs> everything in the room. But Pastor Brad, can you step up here for me? No, yeah, I need you. I need you. Yeah. yeah. What's that supposed to be? Was that a short joke? All right. So, y'all will be proud of me. I didn't get mad and do like Andre the Giant on, on Princess Bride and just drop my fist and just knock Judah through the floor. I calmed down. Listen, I didn't even, I wanted to hit something so bad, y'all. I didn't even walk, and you know, you know how sometimes you just want to hit something when you're mad? I didn't even do that. I calmed myself down. I kept my composure. Pastor Brad, will you turn around for me? Now, the reason why Pastor Brad is up here today is because he is about the perfect size of what a door would look like compared to me. All right? Now, he's going to be playing the part of Lila's door to her bedroom. So what I do is I walk around, and I, I rub my ears. I'm calming down, but, man, I'm still hurting. And so I walk up, and I go, ugh, like that. Can we give Pastor Brad a hand? He did not do what the door did. But yeah, oh, I'll tell you. You'll die if you did what the door did. Um, but that wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't it. Let me tell you, I don't know if I just Hulk smashed this thing I don't know if it wasn't on good. I don't know what happened. But when I did, this fist went through the door like this, and the door came off the hinges. Like, listen, I know y'all are thinking, good God, I thought you said you calmed down. Listen, I wasn't even mad anymore to the point to where Rachel was like, you didn't even hit it. And I, she's like, what happened? And so... I'm sitting here, and I've got those colonial-style doors, y'all. Listen, I knew as soon as I did that, I used to do construction. I knew as soon as it happened, I'm like, man, if I can't fix this, just, this just cost me a lot of money. And so I got it to fix, and I was able to get it back on the hinges, and I bondoed the hole and, and all that good stuff. But every time you pulled it, it would hit at the bottom, and it would make this loud, like, pop. Every time, every time. You couldn't, it didn't matter if you shut it fast, slow, every single time. Most of the time, it doesn't bother my daughter because my daughter's a good sleeper. However, every once in a while, she'll be teething, and my daughter grows 800 teeth at, the, at one time. She doesn't just do one tooth. She grows them all. And so she's teething currently, and she's growing. And so she was really restless the other night. After about 45 minutes of trying to put her to sleep, me and Rachel both, Rachel gets her down, shuts the door, pop. You know, she goes in there, finally gets her back down, gets the door shut. Rachel walks in there, and she goes, Honey, if you don't fix that door like the first thing, something bad's going to happen to you. <laughs> something bad's going to happen to you. So I fixed the door. <laughs> I'm wise. I'm, I'm, I'm smart. I'm a, I'm a good husband, good dad. Um, so I fixed the door. But as I was fixing the door, listen, this, this happened. I fixed the door yesterday, by the way. So I fixed the door, and as I was fixing the door, I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? This is really aggravating. I'm really tired of this door popping. We have this nice brand new house, and I have a door that's all janky and popping. And a voice spoke to me, and, and it said, you must not be that tired of it because you never fixed it. Now, I'm not even saying that it was God. It, it was probably just common sense. 
It was probably just common sense. But that voice said, you must not have been tired enough to fix it. Now, what I'm saying to you, church, this morning is that if you want something different, then you have to do something different. If you want something different, then you have to do something different. If I wanted the door fixed, you know how I fixed it? I took out a screw, I moved it a little bit, and I put the screw back in. It took me about 30 seconds. How about we make an agreement with each other this morning that we're going to try something different? We're going to try something different. We're going to do something different. Maybe you're wanting to see certain results right now in your life. Let's try something different. You, you're, you're tired. You're tired of it. But God's telling you this morning, change it. Right? Change it. I've given you everything you need to change it. Now, here's another thing. I want to be transparent with you. I like to be really transparent up here. I have a struggle, and my struggle is with social media, uh, more so with how bad I hate it and how bad I love it. Um, I hate it because I don't really like just getting on there because there's so much negativity, but I do love going on there and seeing people's happy memories and seeing people's babies, especially since I have kids. I love seeing fun things. But let me tell you what normally happens when I turn on, like, Instagram or Gram, as we in the biz call it. Yeah? No? Nothing? Pastor Brad? Nothing? All right, cool. So I turn on Instagram, and I'm going through, and I start to, to see other people's pictures, and all of a sudden, I start to feel like all this, like, me being a good husband, good pastor, good dad, you know, starting to look good, all that goes away, and it starts to morph into this. Let me tell you what it starts to morph. Here's, here's what I think. I start to, Chris Hemsworth, man, I bet Rachel don't even like abs. <laughs> you know, you know I, bet, I bet she don't even like abs. She don't need no abs. She's got me. Thor. Talking about, I'm like the dwarf Thor. I'm like original Norse Thor where he's just a fat dwarf, you know. I start to, I start to think about how at the barber shop while I'm doing these notes, this is why this is in there. My son is always a sermon illustration. I have to yell at my son Pull your pants up before you come out of the bathroom. Listen, because if I don't, he's coming out naked. If you ever babysit my son, Leah, listen. My son will come out naked. This is not something that I'm just saying like he might. He is coming out naked if you don't. <laughs> Make sure you pull your pants up, buddy. And, and so I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I never thought I'd have to say this to another human being. <laughs> I never thought I'd have to yell it to another human being. Or, or get this, I, I see pictures of my friends, little girls, and they've got like these cute pigtails and all these cute little hairstyles and stuff like that. They're running around. And, and then my attempts to brush Lila's hair ended up with something like this. She took her little comb, she opened my mouth, she stuck the comb on my tongue, and she shoved her fist down my throat. <laughs> she didn't do this once. She did this several times. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate, Pastor Brad. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She, she took her hands, ah, took the comb, plop. Ah. Then she goes, ah, and I go, ah. Her finger's that small, so she jams her whole arm down my throat. This didn't just happen once. It happened over the course of about 30 minutes. And, and so... 
what, what, I'm, what I'm telling you today is that sometimes real life doesn't look like social media view. Because on social media, you're getting to see what people want you to see. They're, 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 they're putting out their best. They're putting out exactly their highlight reel. They're putting out what, what they want you to think that their life is like. And, and I do it too. As a matter of fact, I brought a picture of me and Lila today. Guys, if you will, look at that. Oh, Lila's first selfie. You know, we were, it was such a good moment. She had my phone. She was like, ah. Isn't that a good picture? My daughter is beautiful. She is heartbreakingly beautiful. She's starting to walk yesterday. I got a video. I started to show that, but I knew nobody else would pay attention to me. Um, and actually, it's funny because statistics say that if somebody brings a picture of their family and you connect with it, you're more likely to listen. Ah, ah, yeah, yeah, good. That picture right there is one picture out of about 50. The rest of the pictures look like I was trying to hold down a grease piglet that was on fire, <laughs> right? I've got them on my phone. They're crazy. There's just an arm and then there's a leg. At some point, there really was fire. I don't know where that came from. She was going crazy. She did not want to sit. She wants to move around. She wants to walk. She wants to crawl. But for that picture, that picture is great. But if you look at that picture, you're going to think, man, she just wanted to sit there and cuddle with her dad. But if you saw the whole story, that's just the social media view. That's just the social media view. <laughs> I'm saying all of this to you today because I just did this very thing to you this morning. Did you catch it? I did it to you this morning. The scripture I read to you was the social media view of the story. It was the, the good part. It was the part that the preacher gets to read, and, and he's like, and, 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 and Moses stretched out his arms, and God split the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry land, and if, if, if God can do it for the Israelites, he could do it for you. Bow your head, close your eyes. We, we go home. We're going to eat early today. You know, it's the part that gets us pumped up. It, it, it's the part that gets us ready, but it's the part that I love to preach, but what I want to tell you about is I can't preach that part without telling you all of the story. And here's why. Because that part's true. That part's real. And you can believe in that part. But when you believe in that part and then you leave here and you go back to your life and your life doesn't look like that, then you don't know what to do because your life is not lining up with what you heard. And you don't know what to do. I want to prepare you for that. I don't want to be a preacher that stands up here and doesn't prepare you for your own life. I don't want to be a preacher that uh, doesn't speak to where you are. See, I read to you the end of that. I read to you the culmination of a lifetime of what God had been doing in, in Moses and in, in Israel. But I want to take you a little deeper today. I want to give you a few things that I believe will help you know how to do something different. Are y'all ready for it? Now, I'm going to preach it simple. I'm going to put some handles on it, you guys. I'm going to make it so that you could take these three things that I'm about to give you, and you could take it and apply it to your life right now. Number one, your position is on purpose. Your position is on purpose. That one could be a hard one to hear. That one's a hard one to hear. It's a hard one to say, if, I, if I'm to be honest. 
It's a hard one to say because I know it's Sunday. I know we're in church. We got our smiles on. But I don't know what position you came in today. You might be hearing that and being like, okay, that's good. I'm going to write it down. But you might be thinking in your head, you're crazy. You don't know my chains. You don't know where I'm at. But your position is on purpose. Now, I want to go back to Exodus chapter 13, if you will. Moses has been working on trying to get the people freed. He's been working miracles through the power of God. He's been bartering. He, and finally, Pharaoh sets them free. They're getting ready to leave. And you would think that God would take them the quickest possible route. Let's look at what it says in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, even though it was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Can you imagine for a moment being Moses? Like you're getting the people free. Moses didn't have chapter 14 to go up and say, like, look, this is what's going to happen. You know, this is, this is what's going to happen, guys. This is going to be cool. Moses didn't have a preacher standing up and being like, God's going to part the sea. You're going to walk across on dry ground. Moses was in chapter 13, getting ready to leave Egypt and wondering why he's not going that way. And God's telling him to go that way. And he's like, I know there's a sea that way. And then we're going to go through the desert and all these obstacles. Think of how that conversation went. Like, I know it's shorter to go this way, guys, and I know you've had a hard, you know, several hundred years, but why don't you just trust me? We're going to go this way. There's a sea that way. I know. We're just going to go this way. God said to. <laughs> right? God said to. And honestly, I was thinking about this is probably one of the things we struggle with, trying to make sense of something that God tells us to do when our minds can't trying to make sense of something God tells us to do when our minds can't. Our minds are trained to make sense of things. Our, our, our minds are, are, are trained to take everything and make it make sense. So without the correct information, you will create your own story in an effort to make it make sense. And I think that's where our culture is. They're, they're heading to this Instagram-only version of God, this Instagram-only version of Christianity, the version that does everything the way we view that it should be done, the, the, the version that thinks God should do everything the way we think he should do it. And that's where it's heading, because that's what makes sense to us. Because in our mind, this can't possibly make sense. Why is God, when I heard Pastor Brad talking about Rhiannon, and he was talking about why, why, why did this happen now? Because it doesn't make sense. But when it isn't like that, we don't understand it. And one of the great deceptions, this is, I really believe this, church, one of the great deceptions, and I see this all the time, is that God's not good because of the way something turned out. People believe that all the time. It's great deception is that God's not good because of the way something turned out. It didn't turn out like we thought it should. I want to tell you something today, church. When God says no to something, he is saying yes to something greater. When God says no to something, he's saying yes to something greater. He's telling them, 
I don't want you to go that, that shorter route. I'm going to take you this way, but listen to me. I've got a plan. I'm working a plan, and if you'll just trust me, and if you'll just go this way, I've got a plan. But it's hard for us to fathom that God would not take them the shortest, quickest route because of our minds. And, and our minds start to make up stories. And one of my favorites, uh, you hear this all the time, is must be an attack of the enemy. Must be an attack of the enemy. I'm having a hard time right now. Must be an attack of the enemy. I'm in the desert right now, heading toward the sea. Must be the enemy. Must be the enemy, right? Must be an attack of the enemy. But I want to pose to you a question today. What if this is not an attack? What if it's a purpose position by God? What if this is exactly where God wanted you to be? What if it is a detour put in your life by God because he has a plan? He has a plan that doesn't make sense, but he has a plan and he knows that it's good because the enemy would love to have you believe that it's an attack, right? The, the enemy would love for you to believe that this is not a position that, that God has you in. He would want you to believe that this is an attack by the enemy. And here is why, church. If he can get you to believe that this, an this is an attack, then you will fight to get out of the position that God has you in. Listen, listen, you will cry, you will pray, you will sow seed, you will fast to get out of that position. You will show up at prayer and you will be like, God, I just need God to get me out of this place. I need, I need this to be a over. But God is saying, I know that's the shortest route, but I want you to take the detour. What if we realize today that the position that we're in is not an attack, it's an assignment? It's not an attack, it's an assignment. Your position is on purpose. I'm going to sit here a little while because I know that this is a hard one because if it's an attack, what does Scripture say, right? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. But you're praying, God, I know no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Why? Why is this? What's, what's going on? Why am I still here? Why am I still doing this? Because God has you there. God has you there. This isn't an attack. God has you there. So the reason why you're praying that no attack will overcome you, but yet you feel overcome, is because this isn't an attack. And we start to, we start to doubt God. We start to feel like God's not, God's not hearing me. God's not, God's not moving. God's not, mm. man, I feel God in this. This stuff doesn't really work when we need it to. That's what starts getting whispered in your ear. It's all great when it's somebody else. It's all great when you're pouring into somebody else. It's all great when you're on Sunday morning at a church and hearing a pastor say it, but it doesn't really work when you need it to. Greatest deception. The enemy has succeeded in taking you out of your assignment when you get to that point. And I really feel this in my spirit, church. Listen to me today. Lean in. When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, the battle for your eternity was over. Like, Jesus died for your sins. Like, there is nothing, not, listen, sin did not defeat Jesus. 
Jesus defeated sin and the grave. That means that that battle is over, but there is a battle happening, and that battle is between you and the enemy, and that battle is for your effectiveness. Pentecost Sunday, the church was born, the church that's going to preach the good news. The enemy has to stop that because he can't stop Jesus. It's already done. He can't stop that sacrifice. He can't stop sin. But he can stop your effectiveness. He can stop your effectiveness. And I, I, listen to me. I believe that if you can get that in your heart, I believe that if you can get that in your spirit, that it will change you so much. Because I believe oftentimes we live in Christianity like any moment we're going to lose it. And that is not peace, that is not joy, that is not what God wanted for you. That is not why Jesus died. And listen, just like the Israelites, man, I'm starting to see a parallel because just like the Israelites, God didn't want them to be in slavery anymore. He didn't, he didn't free them from slavery to take them out in the desert <laughs> to kill them or to let them be drowned in a sea, right? And you would think that they would know that, but they didn't. And we are the same way. <laughs> we live like this. We, we live thinking that anything we're going to do, we're just going to lose it. When we should be living like we're free and that God's leading us to new territory and to new freedom. And, and see, the people only really had a couple of options. They, they could go the shortest way. It's going to be faster, but it's through Philistine territory, and they hate you, Right? They hate you. So now you're going to be in enemy territory with people that hate you in front of you. And then, oh yeah, Pharaoh's going to decide that he didn't really want to set you free. And so he's going to come up behind you and you're going to be surrounded by enemies that hate you that you're not ready for yet. So I'm not going to take you that way. And you can go this other way that looks easier and has no obstacles but when Pharaoh comes to you, there's not going to be any obstacles for him either. And so you're always going to be on the run from, from your past, from your slavery. Come on, somebody. You're always going to be on the run from your past and from your slavery. Now, now, mm, this is relatable to us because we can replace Israelites with us and we can replace Pharaoh with, with our past. Or here's the other choice. They could go toward the Red Sea and be blocked in. They could go towards the Red Sea, but God was working a purpose. They didn't know that God was going to split that bad boy, give them dry ground to walk across on into new territory, into new freedom, into their new position. But when the story was over, it was only then that we could see that through the sea, the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea was the only way that God could get them to freedom and destroy all of their enemies. All at one time. Think about that. The very thing that they were wondering why they're going this way because it's going to block them in was the thing that God delivered them through and it's the thing that God used to destroy their enemies. Now, I want to ask you this morning, what is that thing for you? 
What is it for you? What's that position that you're in today? The only way that their past would not chase them into their next season was for it to get rid of, was for God to get rid of it. God got rid of it. God got rid of the entire army. No one survived. Doesn't that sound a lot like Jesus? Doesn't that sound a lot like what Jesus has done for me and you? Not one thing, not one thing. Listen to me. Well, I know that one thing survived for me. It doesn't have to. Listen to me. It doesn't have to because you can do something different. You can take the detour. Your position today is the very place that God wants to keep that thing from following you into your next season. Here's the second thing. Your position is part of the process. Oof. Oof. I hope y'all are going to mute that on the podcast, that word process. That's like a cuss word up here. Process, right? Process. Nobody likes that word. What an encouraging word, process. <laughs> but if you look at Exodus 14, verses 1 through 4, I'm not going to read it, but I encourage you to read it. It actually says these words. It says God told them to camp facing the sea. And then at the very end of it, it says, I will receive glory and Pharaoh will know that I am the Lord. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> I will receive glory and Pharaoh will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites, listen, this is important. The Israelites did this. <laughs> they camped. Listen. God's saying, I don't want you to stay here for a little bit. I don't want you to put down a bed. I want you to camp here because you're going to be here for a little bit because I'm working a purpose, and, and I want you to be here. I'm working a plan. I've got a process, but you've got to be here. And, and here's what I know is so many times we tell this story like it happened really fast, but this exodus happened over a while you know this this was not just something that they walked in and they were like oh sweet let's keep going you know this was something they had to camp facing the very thing that they thought was blocking them in the very thing that they thought was keeping them from going into their next season they're camping they're staring at it god's telling them to stare at it. God's telling them, I want you to stay here. I want you to see this. I want you to be here. And isn't that what's frustrating about the process? Isn't that what's aggravating and unpleasant about the process? Maybe you're more saved than I am, but I hate the process, right? I'm the guy whose TV went out on Friday night, and rather than taking it to a repair shop, and getting it fixed, I went out and bought another TV because it was college football season, Roll Todd. You know what I mean? I went out because I didn't want to miss the game the next day. I, I, I would rather buy the new TV than wait. I'm the guy who burns his mouth eating pizza because I didn't want to let it cool down on the car ride home. I, I'm, the, I'm the guy who wishes that it didn't take my son 20 minutes to put on his shorts backwards. But I know that if I don't work that process, he will never learn. Come on, come on, somebody. Work the process. I don't like the process because I like to have things happen immediately, and I think most of you are like that in here. The Israelites made it to the sea, and it didn't part when they got there, but there was a process happening. And I got to thinking about how the Bible talks about this in Genesis. It says that... As long as the earth remains, 
there will be seed, comma, time, and harvest. But we often quote it like this. There will be seed time. We erase that comma. There will be seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Why? Because it sounds better. We don't like the time. We don't like that comma being in there. And we walk around quoting stuff like this. Galatians. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will, we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do work of the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Yeah, man, we're going to have a harvest. Bring it on, somebody. We're going we're gonna to have a harvest. We end up quoting only the social media version of that verse because that scripture is just as much about the timing as it is about the harvest. That scripture is just as much about waiting for the proper time as it is about the harvest. And if we let the process do what it's supposed to do, then the harvest will come, and listen to me, we will be ready for it. <laughs> we will be ready for it. Some of the struggles in our lives are because we're entering seasons that we are not ready for yet. Because we didn't let the process finish in the season before. Because we want to move forward and we want the harvest. But what if the position that you're in today and the process that you're in today is preparing you to be ready for the harvest? It's preparing you to be ready for the harvest. Because can I be honest with you? Sometimes you're not ready for the harvest. I'm going to share my heart with you. Man, from the moment we started even thinking about buying this building, I was so excited, guys. I was, man, I can't wait to get to work. I can't, you know what happened when I started slinging some paint? I can't wait for this thing to be over. I can't wait for us to be in there. You know, the harvest is tough, too. The harvest is work, too. And if you're not ready for the harvest, then you'll be crushed by it. And I firmly believe that this is one of the reasons why people deal with anxiety and depression so much is because they were not ready to move for forward because the process wasn't finished. I've noticed this with my own struggle with anxiety, that I rush the process. And here's what oftentimes happens with me is it's because I need validation somewhere. Somewhere in my life, I've said, what God's saying about me is not enough. I need someone else to say it. Can I be transparent? I need someone else to say it. What God said about me is not enough. I need, I need somebody else to say it. The process is interrupted because of my own self-doubt, and I start to feel the anxiety and the depression. And here's what I've learned, that if we stay in the position and in the process, then God will work on those areas through the process. If we stay in it, God will work on it. I'm going to attempt to draw something for you today, and I'm not an artist, so bear with me. Don't laugh. I better not even hear a snicker. <laughs> Quiet. Okay. All right, so we're going to have this as the ground, and we're going to do a seat. Good Lord, a seat. Oh, my, that's worse. This is terrible. All right, so that's ground, and that seed. And, and here's what I wrote down about this, is I believe so many of us are waiting on a harvest on a seed that we haven't planted yet. We're waiting on a harvest on a seed that we haven't planted yet. 
I can end this right here and we can go, go to lunch. I, I can assure you, I don't know if I'm going to preach better than this. The first thing we have to do is put the seed in the ground. Hear me, church. I'm talking about everything. I'm not just talking about finances or, or, or things like that. I'm talking about everything. You want a good marriage? Man, woo, plant some seeds. Put the phone down at dinner. Have a date night rather than just a you night. Why are you worrying about the guy's night? Take your wife out. Show her you love her. Show her you loved her as much now as you did then. If you want a good marriage, that, all that seed, right? Let the mountains turn back into molehills. Man, can I tell you how many times? I've been married almost 12 years, and can I tell you that probably 99% of every problem me and Rachel have happened is because one of us just didn't want to let a little molehill go? If we would have just been like, oh, that's stupid, probably wouldn't have even had a problem, had an issue. Most of, it, most of the things are like this. Let the mountains turn back into molehills. That seed, that seed that's being planted in your marriage, because I assure you they will notice. They will notice that change. They will notice, they will notice it in you. You want to be a better parent? Then plant that seed. Show your kids that you're different. My second drawing. Don't laugh. Okay, so this is a seed, and these are roots, and I'm going to kind of spread them out because you know deep and wide okay <laughs> sorry sorry you want me to mute my mic all right now this is a seed and the roots are starting to grow right this is the next step this is where the roots develop this is where the roots develop there, and there's a problem with this what's the problem pastor jeremy the problem is is all this happens underground all of it happens underground where we can't see it. All of the roots that's necessary for this thing to grow is happening where we cannot see it. And that's where we get the whole, man, I gave this thing a week and nothing happened. Man, are you, I put the phone down at dinner. She sat there and played her game. I tried to rub her feet. And she let me rub her feet because she's not going to turn down a foot rub. But then we got in a fight on the way to church. Roots are, roots are, man, listen, you don't just change things by planting a seed. <laughs> it's got to grow. It's got to grow. The roots are being developed. I gave it a month and nothing happened. And what we're missing is that the most important part of the process is happening in the place where we can't see it. Come on, somebody. I came to encourage somebody today because the longer that God has you in the process where you can't see any results, that should excite you. Because, listen, a good harvest takes some good strong roots. A good plant takes some good strong roots. You want a plant that's going to be there for generations? You, wanna, you want something that's going to change your family? It's going to take some, some good strong roots. It's going to take some time. And, it, and, and it's going to take a while to grow. Because here's the deal. Little plants don't need a long time to grow because they don't need deep roots and they can sprout up in just a couple of days but they could be pulled up easy they could be dried out easy they can wither easy they don't change generations they're not going to be there for the long term it's the ones that the roots get deep it's the trees that are planted that will last you know you want you want to change 
the fa your family, you know, maybe your family, everybody in your family, you came from the product of a broken home. You want to see your family not have divorce in it anymore? Man, let this grow. Be patient for with it. Give it some time. Plant the seed in your marriage, but then give it time for the roots. Listen, I'm telling you, it will happen. <laughs> it will happen. Show your kids you're different. But listen to me, don't discount the growth that you can't see. And then there's this third part, right? There's the third part. You got the, the roots. Then you got the, these are going to be leaves, guys. Just use your imagination. Come on. I showed Judah these pictures that I drew, and he goes, oh, look, it's a, it's a plant with, with weeds. So y use your imagination. <laughs> this is the part that's fun to preach about. This is the part that, that's the social media view. This is the part that gets everybody fired up, right? Because this is a breakthrough, right? This is, this is the thing that pastors love. This is, I get to come up here and tell you about the breakthrough, the breakthrough, all this stuff, all the seeds you've been planting, all the time you've been waiting, now's the breakthrough. But here's what's wrong with this. Trees don't break through as trees. They break through as twigs. <laughs> and in our mind, we thought it was going to be big. Man, I've been praying. I've been planting seeds. I thought it was going to be big. And, and, and this is what I found myself wondering is how many of us are frustrated with God because we've been praying for something to break through and we don't think that it has yet, but we've been walking over it because it was small. We've been walking over it thinking it's a twig, a voice crack. We've been walking over our future trees because it broke through as twigs. And after the breakthrough, it's still not over. Y'all don't even know. I am crazy at win, lose, or draw. Do y'all even know what that is? <laughs> cool. All the old people. Great. Fantastic. Makes me feel great. Also, if you're mad because I called you old, my email is joshpate <laughs> at eastgatechurch.cc. Okay, so you get it. A tree leaves, right? A tree leaves. Now, this might be the worst part of my drawing. <laughs> this is the immature tree. This is where most of the offense happens because the immature plant is a lot like our last version, the fourth version. I'm going to go ahead and spoil that for you. It's a lot like the last version. i got to draw it exactly like it, you know, because it looks a lot like the last version. It looks a lot like the mature tree, but the mature tree has started bearing fruit. The mature tree has started bearing fruit. A lot of people give up at the immature stage because they start to compare themselves to the tree that's bearing fruit because it's just a little bit further along. I'm going to draw a line right here because I believe that this is the line right here that most people jump off at. 
This is the line where most people give up at. Christians that have been Christians for years, when you take a look at their life and, and really look at it, they got right here and they gave up. They got right here and that's where it got hard. And they started to compare themselves. And, and we, we, we take a look and we're like, man, this is the stage I thought the harvest would happen. What looks different about me? I'm doing all the same things. I'm doing all the same things. What's the difference? Have you ever been there? Is this just me? Am I the only sinner in the place? You're comparing. But listen to me, church. The fruit takes the longest to appear. The fruit takes the longest to appear. And if we're to be honest this morning, that's where a lot of frustration comes from. It's not your kids or your spouse that you're so frustrated at. It's that you thought you would be further along than you are. And I know that this is the part of the sermon that doesn't really want us or makes us want to like throw our wigs and stand up and do a circle around this place, you know. This isn't the, this isn't the fun part. But I wanted you to really get the importance of the process. The importance of the process. Because as a pastor, something that hurts my heart more than anything is that I see people that's come so far and has so much potential and so much vision and so much calling on their life, but they stop just a little bit too early in the process. Just a little bit too early. They stop just before they reach their greatness. You might be saying today, Pastor Jeremy, that's not me. I'm not destined for greatness. And what I feel like God wants you to know, what I feel like that I want to tell you this morning, because I, I feel this in my spirit. I was praying about this, and I actually added this because I felt it so heavy. I feel this. This is for somebody this morning. Everything, everything, listen, underline. If you're taking notes, underline that. Everything that he has done, he did so that you, you can have a chance to be in his presence and impact the world. So that you could impact the world and be in his presence. You. He did not just create a community pool and be like, hey, y'all have fun. I'm going to send you some lifeguards. He's very personal. He did it for you. He thought about you. He thought about everything. He knows you. He knows you well. He knows you better than anybody. And so everything, and, and, and listen, if that's not greatness, I don't know what to tell you this morning. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, uh, you know, what greatness is because apparently I've got it wrong because that sounds awesome to me. So you are destined for greatness. One more thought before I move to our last point, and this is where I kind of start to land the plane. This is where we start to close. So you know you got about 30, 45 more minutes. Um, in every stage of this process, there's growth every stage in this process there's growth a lot of the times we think this one's the most important but in every stage of this process there's growth and i came to tell somebody today that you're doing good you're doing good and that there's growth happening and if you can't see it and you can't feel it then just wait and keep 
believing and keep watering and keep praying and keep believing in the process because I assure you that God is working a process. Number three, your position is not permanent. Your position is not permanent. Can I share a verse with you this morning? It's not in my notes, so just kind of listen and follow along with me. It's uh, found in John 8, verse 44, and Jesus starts talking to the Pharisees. He says, you are of your father the devil, <laughs> and you want to carry out your father's desires. Then he starts talking about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of all lies. Do you know how to tell if the devil's lying to you? If he's talking to you? If he's talking to you? Now this scripture is not saying that the devil lies. This scripture is saying that he is a liar in his nature, that all he is is a liar. That is who his character is. And the reason I'm telling you this is because the things that he's trying to whisper to you today, the things that he's trying to tell you to, today, the things that he's trying to do to take you out of your assignment today are all lies. Sometimes they look like truths, Pastor Jeremy. Sometimes they look like truths. Yeah, it's because he's good at it. If he was bad at it, why would I need to preach? We could have pizza and some brunch up here. You don't need me, right? He's good at it. He's good at it. I'm going to be really transparent with you guys for a minute. A lot of y'all know I had surgery back in December. I had spinal surgery. I had some discs replaced in my neck. And through my recovery, I didn't do a lot of ministry. I took time off to, to recover. Since then, I have not felt like I have just been really on it when I'm preaching. Can I just be honest with you? I haven't felt like I've hit a home run, and I, it, it, it seems like every time I preach, I get off and I'm like, man, that was so bad. I could have done this better. This was in my notes. I didn't even say it. This wasn't in my notes. I don't even, one time I said I had to pee. Um, I'm like, things just get weird, you know? And I'm like, I, I, I get so discouraged. I get so discouraged. And I think it came to a head um, a couple of weeks ago when I was sick. Um, if you remember, I was like, I, throwing, I had been throwing up all morning. And I, I, I threw up and then got up on stage. And I was taking anti-nausea medicine, and I'm thinking, I'm like, I just got a little stomach bug. No, no big deal. Well, I felt terrible, and in all honesty, I shouldn't have been preaching. I should have called, had somebody fill in. Because I ended up in the hospital. A lot of you don't know this. I ended up in the hospital, ended up uh, having to get IV fluids and antibiotics. And what had happened is, I guess I had gotten strep throat, and somehow through that, my stomach had gotten infected. And so it wasn't getting better on its own. I had been dealing with it for about three or four days when I preached. I hadn't eaten anything. I was severely dehydrated. And then I dealt with it for the better part of the week afterwards. That's how bad I got sick. But I remember, I, like, 
I got off stage, told Rachel I'm going to the hospital. This is exactly how it happened. But first thing I did is I said, oh, God, oh, that was terrible. I'm going to the hospital. Finally, she looked at me and she goes, why don't you believe the stuff that you preach? Why don't you believe the stuff that you preach? There's a voice whispering to you, too. What I'm trying to tell you on Pentecost Sunday is if the Holy Spirit's not saying it, and if it's not in God's Word, then you can just eliminate it. Because I'm only going to believe what God says about me and what God puts in me and what, what God wants me to believe about myself. And I want to end with this. They get to the Red Sea. It's not parted. Then a strong storm wind starts to blow. And at this point, I wish I could tell them that, that they were not stuck. <laughs> I wish I could tell them that they were not stuck. I wish that I could stand on a stage and tell them, don't worry, it's okay, it's just a sea. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you this morning, it looks like they're stuck, it looks like it's getting dark, it looks like it's getting stormy, but listen, there's a purpose for it. There's a purpose even for the darkness and for the wind and the storm because the darkness was hiding what God was doing because Pharaoh was able to see where he was at. He was able to see what was going on. So if it wouldn't have been dark, then they would have been able to see what was going on and they could have got the drop on the Israelites. And this story would have ended totally different. But because it was dark, they didn't see what was going on. And so God brought the wind and the wind started to blow and the wind parted the sea. You're not stuck. You're not stuck. But I would also say to them, and I want to say to you this morning, that you're not stained. You're not stained. What they couldn't see is that the wind was starting to provide their way of escape. But it would also take care of them for when they got to the other side. And this has always kind of blown my mind when I, when I start to read this. It says that they walked through on dry ground. Y'all remember reading that? We walked through, they walked through on dry ground. Listen to me, church. Not only did God, through the process, create a way for them to be free, he also had the foresight to dry the ground for them. The Bible says dry ground. And it just in the scriptures we read this morning, it says it twice. Like this isn't a misprint. This isn't a, oops, dry ground. Now here's my belief. I don't think that he just did that so that they didn't have to walk through on mud and struggle walking through on mud. I do think that that was part of it, but here's what I believe. I think that he did not want them to carry any part uh, of this life into their new season. He didn't want them to get bogged in in what they were coming out of 
and carry it into the next season. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you've done or where you've been, but I do know that God is working a plan for your life, and it involves hope for a future. And it looks dark. It looks like you're stuck. But listen, God is planning a victory for you, and it's a victory that doesn't make sense when you're looking at it. You're looking at a sea, man. You've been camping in front of this bad boy. You've been here. It doesn't look any different than it did when you woke up yesterday. It is still a sea, and now there's a storm, and now you know your enemies are closing in on you. But now, not only do you have the victory, but God is going to use this to eliminate every part of it, every part of that past. He doesn't want you to carry any part of it into the next season. Do you hear me, church? Take the detour this morning. Take the detour this morning. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't look right. And see, the, the problem is, is sometimes in our idea, if it doesn't look, God, look right, it can't be God. It can't be God. And, and then it's, it's even made worse because we do read scriptures where Peter walked on the water. So why didn't they just walk on the water and walk across? That would have been cool too. Listen to me, church. Don't let the fact that you don't see the big picture take you out of your assignment. Trust God through the process. Will you bow your head and close your eyes?